At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. Happy Sunday to you all. If you're out here on the West Coast, it did just wind up coming to Sunday as it is now midnight Pacific as it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. Now that it is officially Sunday, it is officially an NFL Sunday. So we're going to be taking a look at both of these games that we've got with regards to the NFL in the final segment. If you want to missing my New York Post pick with regards to college basketball for Sunday, we're going to be refreshing that. Going to be going through just what I'm going to be talking about here in the first few segments as well. Going to give you guys my official picks for what we've got in the NFL on the Sunday. Really going to be staying away from player props today. I really didn't see anything that I like, and I'm just not naturally a player props guy myself. But I do like what we're seeing with both of these games. So let's dive into it. Earliest game is the game that is out there in the NFC. As you've got the Rams, they're going to be taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Buccaneers, and a lot of spots are finding themselves as a two and a half point favorite with juice. You're going to be able to find some unjuiced threes as well. So seeing a little bit of a smattering of both with regards to the market. And you're finding this total at a 48 in a lot of spots. And when it comes to it, I do think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be able to get the job done in this spot. I just take a look at this game. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think that you just have to trust in Tom Brady because when it comes to Matthew Stafford, he was able to get the win for this team. But at the same time with Matthew Stafford as well, he just has been a little bit of a turnover machine. He was able to turn in a clean sheet a couple days ago. But with that said, it's a case in which I think that he's going to wind up creating the turnover that Tom Brady's not. Tom Brady has just sort of been there, done that. I think that that is so important to take a look at when it comes to the NFL postseason. Now, you saw a little bit of the reversal of that a few or a few hours ago when it came to Ryan Tannehill against Joe Burrow. Burrow was in his really second career postseason game. Ryan Tannehill wanted to make those bad mistakes, but let's call it what it is. Ryan Tannehill was really riding the coattails of Derrick Henry in that previous postseason run, so... When the ball was in his hands, it didn't necessarily work out the best. Now, when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as we know, they're a little bit gutted with regards to the skill position guys. Chris Godwin is out of the fold. Antonio Brown decided to take off all of his clothes and wind up running off the field. I know that it wasn't necessarily that, but I think that it just sounds funny. But you've got that all going on. And when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it's going to be a little bit questionable as what you're going to be able to get out of the ground game. But Leonard Fournette is going to be able to get it to go now what percentage of Leonard Fournette you're going to be able to get is anyone's guess. And I don't even know if Leonard Fournette 
knows exactly what he's going to be able to give in this game. Is he going to be the Leonard Fournette that we wound up seeing against the Buffalo Bills, where he wound up having over 100 yards, or the guy that we wound up seeing against the Colts? Or is this going to be a guy that he winds up giving you like 10 carries for 25 yards? That is a big, giant question mark. Ronald Jones, the second, he is going to be confirmed out for this game. But when it comes to Tom Brady, I always make the argument, and we were talking to David Baker, former Super Contest winner, a couple days ago. He wound up mentioning that it's just a case in which the skill possession players don't wind up making Tom Brady. Tom Brady makes these guys. And certainly Tom Brady earlier in his career, he was able to throw to Randy Moss, but that was only for a very short amount of time. You take a look at a lot of the other guys that he's been able to throw to, and he wound up being able to make those guys household names. And a lot of these guys that when they wound up going away from the Patriots, they didn't have as much success. So I do think that that is something that is really intriguing to take a look at. And even when you take a look at the guys that Tom Brady is going to be able to throw to. Obviously, you talk about the injuries, the Antonio Brown situation, what have you. You still have a really good tight end trio. I mean, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brate, OJ Howard. These guys can keep passes on darn near any roster. I think that OJ Howard, by the way, has been a little bit underutilized as well. I mean, it's been a little bit surprising. Guy was picked in the first round a few years ago, has just not necessarily been able to come to the forefront with Tom Brady being at the helm. But I do think that it is also very significant what we've seen with the offensive line as well. Offensive linemen, they really don't move the line very much, but you take a look at a guy like Ryan Jensen being able to get out there on the field. He was able to be able to practice a couple days ago. That's very big. You've got Tristan Wirfs as well. He's been dealing with a little bit of an ankle ailment as well. Things seem to be trending a little bit better for these guys being able to get out there, being able to give Tom Brady a little bit of protection. So I do think that that's something that needs to be stated. And I think that that's something that should not be taken lightly with regards to your handicapping, because if a guy doesn't have any time, if a guy doesn't have a lot of protection, running backs don't have holes to move through, it really affects a little bit of everything. So I do think that that's something that doesn't get stated enough that does need to be certainly highlighted, but you also take a look at this Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense and it's very solid up there in the front seven. You've got Jason Pierre-Paul who has been dealing with a little bit of something that is personal. I don't necessarily know what it is, but he's going to be questionable for this game. It seems like there's a good chance that he should be able to get out there on the field, but you do want to be doing that as well. But you take a look at Ndamukong Su along with Vita Vea. Both of these guys are just absolute monsters on the front. And then you've got a secondary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they've had to mix and match a little bit. But as the season went along, they were able to improve. And you want to see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they want to being able to win the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, Tom Brady was able to do his thing. He was able to be Tom Brady of old with regards to the Super Bowl. But in that NFC Championship game, the reason why Tom, the reason why Tom Brady was able to get there is because the defense helped him out quite a bit as well. Because you may recall in that NFC Championship game, Tom Brady threw three interceptions. What really bailed him out is the fact that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were able to lock down in that second half. So I think that that is something that needs to be kept in mind as well. And when you take a look at this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team in general, I do think that they're going to be able to come up with a couple of big plays. I mentioned that front seven, a front seven that was able to lead to the Buccaneers to be one of the best pass rushing teams in all of football, but they also were able to get 17 interceptions. Now, it helps when you're up in games quite a bit more. You're able to try to seek out the ball, but it's not like one guy on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wound up going out, had like eight interceptions or anything like that, and then everyone else was just chopped liver. I mean, the guy that wound up having the most interceptions for this team was Mike Edwards, the guy that wound up having three of them. You had a lot of guys with two. You had a lot of guys with one. So it's a team in which they just have a lot of guys that are able to meld together very well. And then you take a look at the Rams, and I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Matt Safford, him throwing an interception, 
If you're going to be taking a look at the player prop, I have to think that it's a little bit chalky, but I would certainly take the yes there because when it comes to Matt Stafford, the guy has been a little bit of a mess. He was able to do a very good job in that game against the Arizona Cardinals, but let's not discredit the last four weeks where he wound up having a combined eight interceptions in that time span. He was not good at all. The team was able to win because they were playing against relatively poor competition. You take a look at the ground game, and what is very good for the team is that they do have Cam Akers back in the fold, and he looked relatively solid in that game against the Arizona Cardinals. So he does have fresh legs out there, and Sony Michelle has been able to do the job all season long for the team. A little bit over four yards per carry. He's a guy that was able to help out in the pass game as well. So that's to his credit. Obviously, Cooper Cup. What more needs to be said about Cooper Cup? He had 145 catches during the regular season and the game against the Arizona Cardinals. He was able to haul in there a touchdown. This guy had one of the greatest seasons for a wide receiver that we've ever seen. 17 games, 16 games, what have you. I mean, he certainly was able to do the job. But when it comes to this Rams team as well, what I think is intriguing is what you're going to be able to get out of the defense because this is a defense that there were times in which they were a little bit lackadaisical. When it comes to just sheer talent, this is one of the best teams in all of football. And Aaron Donald, he went out there. He did his job every single week. He was able to lead a team that wanted being able to accrue 50 sacks. And you did wind up having Jalen Ramsey and Taylor Rapp both be able to give you four picks throughout the season. So, I mean, they did a good job there. But it always felt like this team just early on in games, they could be figured out. It's sort of one of those things in which you wind up seeing like a baseball pitcher. I'm going to use Max Scherzer for an example. He's notorious for this. He winds up giving up a home run in the first inning. And then he winds up blocking in from there. And then he looks like... And then he looks like Max Scherzer. He winds up going pretty much six innings, gives up that one run. One run winds up coming up in the first inning. That always feels like the Rams defense. That first drive, they just wind up giving up quite a bit. And then from there, they wind up blocking in. I feel like in this game, that could wind up being the difference. The Rams, they always come out a little bit sluggishly on defense. And I do think that that is something that isn't necessarily something that necessarily goes into the stat sheet as much, but something that needs to be noted also with Rapp, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, wound up having four picks during the regular season. He's going to be out for this game as well. So that is going to be hurting this team. Now the front seven, very, very good, which is making it all the more important that it looks like the offensive line of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to be whole because we have to go up against Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald. You even throw out there a guy like a Troy reader list goes on and on all these guys. They are able to get to the quarterback. They're able to force a lot of pressure. Rams wound up having 50 sacks during the regular season. So I do think that both of these defenses are going to be able to come to the forefront. I'm going to be taking a look at the under as a result. But the reason why I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is it's because of what they don't do. They don't turn the ball over. Matthew Stafford, he does. I think that when it comes to quarterback play, you've got to be gauging that so heavily. You saw one game on Saturday in which, Obviously, the lesser quarterback wanted being able to win in the San Francisco 49ers. What it took for that lesser quarterback to be able to win, a block punt and a big giant calamity. The other game, you wind up seeing quarterback play be the exact reason why the lesser quarterback, I'm looking at you, Ryan Tannehill, wound up losing the game. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow wasn't necessarily terrific, but was able to make enough plays to be able to get it done. Tom Brady has been in these spots time and time again. I say don't go against Tom Brady in this spot. I'm willing to lay the two and a half here with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you have a three available to you, I would say shop around a little bit. I do think that this could be a very critical spot. At three, I would rather lay it than take it, but it would be a little bit more of a sale for me. I certainly think that getting the two and a half has a lot of value, even if it is a little bit more juicy just because the difference between getting a two and a half and three could be the difference between a one and a push. So 
I do think that that is very critical in this spot. And when it comes to both of these defenses, I do think that they're both going to be able to step up. I think that they're both going to be able to do a relatively solid job. I don't think that either team is really going to be getting past 21 in this game. So taking a look at the under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on that two and a half. The other game that we've got, that would be the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs. You wind up seeing the first matchup between the Rams and the Bucks. The Rams wound up winning that one. If you're following things, and I wound up talking about this in the first hour with regards to rematches, a lot of times you wind up seeing the team that wound up winning in game one, losing in game two. So we're going to be bucking that trend in, or we're going to be going with that trend, and we're going to be going against the team that wound up winning in game one. And we're going to be doing the same right here in this Bills versus Chiefs game. Going to be giving you guys, coming up next, my breakdown of this game, and we're going to be just taking a look at some more college basketball throughout the hour as well as this is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network, looking at the AFC Divisional Series next. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the sports betting network. This is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the sports betting network. It is an NFL Sunday. Wanted running through in the first segment. My take on Rams versus Buccaneers. Here in the second segment of this hour, we're going to be taking a look at the AFC, at the Bills versus the Chiefs. And if you miss anything from these first two segments, I'm going to just pretty much sum everything up that I'm going to be on the NFL for Sunday in the final segment. So have no fear there. That'll be coming up in the final five to ten minutes of the show. So if you wind up missing anything here, we're going to give you guys a nice little bow around it along with what I like in college basketball as well. Going to give you guys my New York Post pick right around 1245-ish. So in about 30 minutes from now, if you want to missing in the first hour, we've got you covered in all angles. And goes to soups. If you want to missing anything with regards to my college basketball breakdowns, picks, and analysis, that podcast is now up. It is part of the VEASAN family podcast. And we'll get it wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, list goes on and on. So... No shortage of ways to be able to make money today on Sunday, whether it be in college basketball, whether it be in NFL. And I know that many of you guys do a lot of NBA. I always recommend in-game betting when it comes to the NBA because it can be quite volatile. But when it comes to this Chiefs versus Bills game, I think that you've got to trust in the Kansas City Chiefs in this spot. They wound up losing first time around against the Buffalo Bills. But as I've talked about a lot on the show tonight, when it comes to rematches, 
when it comes to a team playing each other the second time around, I always think that there's always a little bit more fire in the team that wound up losing time number one because the team that wound up losing, they've got a lot of adjustments to make. They've got to be taking a look at, okay, how can we wind up catching the team that we wound up losing to by surprise because the textbook definition of insanity is trying to do things the same way and expecting different results. If you wind up losing the first time around, you don't want to be doing the same thing because you're going to wind up getting the same result in all likelihood unless you're banking on your opponent doing something completely different. And there aren't a lot of people that wind up doing that. So I do think that that is always such a big aspect to take a look at. In that first game, you wind up having Josh Allen turn into a clean sheet. He had 315 yards on 26 pass attempts, and he wound up having three touchdowns and zero picks. Patrick Mahomes, he wound up having two interceptions, and that was when the Chiefs offense was really in a funk. You wound up having Clyde Edwards-Alaire in that game, by the way, be the gentleman that wound up getting seven rushes for 13 yards. Alaire is going to be good for this game. He wound up missing the wild card game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's going to be back in the fold now. Once again, the same question that you wind up having with Leonard Fournette in the other game. How close to 100% is he going to be? I think that that is a legitimate question to have, but I just have always noticed that whenever you've seen Clyde Edwards-Alaire out there on the field, it has been a big difference maker for the Scan City Chiefs. They seem to be able to flow their offense a little bit better. He's able to take a little bit of pressure off of Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes, I think he's going to be able to do a better job of being able to attack this Buffalo Bills defense. It's a Bills defense that... I think it gets a little bit less credit than what it deserves. It certainly does have a couple of flaws. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This is a team that time and time again, it has been a defense that has been getting dogged. But you take a look at with regards to just raw points against among defenses that are out there in the playoffs. This Bills team is number one, allowing 17 points per game. I think that we treat this Bills defense as if it's chopped liver when we should not be. It's been a bunch of which you don't have that necessarily one guy that wound up going out there and just wound up having a whole big giant jumble of sacks or anything like that. But at the same time, it's a bunch of guys that know their role. They do a good job of being able to bend but not break. You did wind up seeing them come up with two interceptions in that first game. I don't think that you're going to be seeing that here in time number two, but I do like what you're able to get out of just the wide gamut of guys out there in the secondary as well. You got a guy, Micah Hyde, who's been very good for the team. He and Jordan Poyer, both at the secondary spots, have been able to give you five interceptions. These are two of the better guys that you're going to find in the NFL. So the Chiefs are probably going to need to look to a little bit more of the under stuff. They're going to need to dump the ball off a little bit more. And Patrick Mahomes, throughout the season, he's been able to do a better job of that. It's a big reason why the Kansas City Chiefs were having a lack of success the first time around and were having a lack of success just in general towards the first half of the season. Teams figured out how to be able to contain some of those bigger plays to Tyreek Hill and company, and the Chiefs were able to adjust. That's what good teams do, and we've really seen the offensive coaching staff in general do a nice job of being able to instill this into the team. So I do think that that is something that is very important to take a look at in this game. Something else you've got to be taking a look at are the Bills going to be able to run the ball themselves? Devin Singletary is a relatively solid running back. We wound up seeing him towards the first to middle half of the season. Really not have a lot of success, but you take a look at him and you include the wild card of the game that we wound up having as well. So last four games of the regular season and the postseason, he's had at least 81 yards in four out of those five. I think that this has really made the Bills a little bit more, I guess you could call it, I think the best term to be able to put it is the Bills have become a little bit more stable. I think that that's the best way to be able to phrase it because when you do have Josh Allen dropping up back 
45 plus times. Yeah, you're going to be able to get some points up there on the board, but you also are prone to the interceptions because Josh Allen, you do mind him throwing 15 picks throughout the season. He's been turning in more clean sheets in the last four weeks. He has had three weeks in which he did not wind up throwing an interception, did look relatively awful in that game against the Atlanta Falcons. I do discredit that a little bit, though. I do think that Josh Allen is going to be able to do a better job of being able to take care of the ball, but who do you think winds up throwing an interception in this game, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I would lean a little bit more to Josh Allen, despite the fact that the secondary of this Buffalo Bills team is relatively solid. They all season long have been able to come up with some turnovers. I do think that Mahomes is smart enough to know to not put his team necessarily in a bad spot, and if he does wind up throwing an interception, it's one of those, like, Third and 15 plays, it becomes like a big, giant, long punt or something like that. And when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think that we can discredit what you're able to get out of Tyree Kill because Hill has done a great job of being able to sort of reform himself as a wide receiver. He was, towards the beginning part of his career, that home run hitter, the guy that winds up going just streaking down the sidelines, what have you. And he's become a little bit more of a possession guy. He's able to do a good job of just being able to pick up 10 yards when they wind up needing eight, things like this. And that has really been able to allow the Kansas City Chiefs to be able to overcome that early start and still be a team that is relatively explosive on offense, being able to really hold it down with that aspect. And then when it comes to the Chiefs as well, I mentioned the fact that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back. How about would you were able to get it out of Jared McKinnon last week as well? 12 carries for 62 yards. He was able to be a relatively solid weapon for this team. And I do think that he's going to be a guy that, even though you do wind up having Edwards-Alaire back in the fold, that they're going to be able to utilize. They're going to be able to give him a couple touches, be able to take the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes as well. And when it comes to this Kansas City Chiefs defense, it was a defense that at the beginning of the year, it was absolutely awful. But we just always notice this with Andy Reid coach teams. They are terrible on defense to begin the year, but as the season goes along, things get reined in more and more, and we wound up seeing that with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. They did wind up having some injuries towards the beginning of the season to have to contend with. For the most part, the guys that have been out there throughout the season, they are going to be out there once again. They've been dealing with ailments at D4 all season long. That's not necessarily much of a surprise with regards to this, but you take a look at this Chiefs team, they aren't necessarily a team that is going to get a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Only 31 sacks, that's one of the lower marks that you're able to find in the NFL, but just a gamut of guys. They're able to do a good job of being able to force some turnovers. They wound up getting 15 interceptions, but on top of that, they do a great job of being able to force turnover or force fumbles as well. Tyron Matthew, just the textbook example of this. I think that that's going to be absolutely massive for this team. And you just take a look at this Kansas City Chiefs team. When it comes to the front seven, they've been able to do a better job recently of being able to get pressure on the quarterback. Guys like Frank Clark being able to step up his big. I think that Chris Jones could wind up having himself a relatively solid game in this one as well. A guy that did wind up having a little bit of a shaky start to begin the season. He does a good job of being able to clog things up. I do think that it's going to prevent the Buffalo Bills from having a little bit more balance, which has allowed them to be more successful throughout the season as well. So I do take a look at this spot. I do think that the Kansas City Chiefs up there at Arrowhead, one of the toughest places in the NFL to play, going to be able to get it done, being able to get this number at not even a two and a half, but in between a one and a half and a two, it really does appeal to me in case you wind up getting just a little bit of a wonky result. You've got that protection. I'd be willing to lay either one and a half or two. Heck, I'd be willing to lay a two and a half in this spot when it comes to Kansas City Chiefs. And I just mentioned both of these defenses. I think that both are going to be able to do a relatively solid job in this game. First time around, you did wind up seeing the total barely go over as I think that that was a total that closed right around 57 to 57 and a half, depending on your book. That was a game that it wound up landing on 58 with it being a count of 38 to 20. I don't think either team is going to be able to get to 38 points in this game. 
If you ask me, I think both teams might wind up having a little bit of a tough time getting into 28. We've seen this NFL be a little bit more of an under league, right around 54.5% of games, regular season and postseason have wound up going under. We've noticed that it's been a very good trend all season long. And when it comes to second time around, typically defenses do wind up having a little bit more intel on teams. Now, we have seen the Kansas City Chiefs utilize someone like Amico Hardman a little bit more in recent weeks as well, but I do think that both of these defenses are going to be dialed in. I think that it's going to be a low-scoring game, and I think that the Chiefs, after they wound up playing the Bills very early on in the season, they were sort of in the infancy of this current defense. I think that they've really been able to adjust some things. I think that they're going to do a nice job of being able to hold the Bills down. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Chiefs laying the small number, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. So that's what we've got right now with the NFL. We're going under in both of these games. I wound up laying the very small numbers with both of these teams, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers along with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that's where we stand on this one. But along with the NFL, we've got a lot of college basketball that's going to be coming up on Sunday as well. We've already ran through quite a few in the final segment. Going to give you guys my New Year post play, but prior to that, we're going to give you guys some other unearth gens on this college basketball betting board. So we're going to be hitting upon some of those games next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Esports Betting Network. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It's never too early to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure that VSIN is in your plans. We'll be with you throughout the postseason, and then on Championship Weekend, we'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VSIN.com leading up to our sixth annual live big game betcast. It's also the biggest game of the year, so make plans now. Join VSIN, our sports betting experts, before, during, and after the action, all right here on VSIN.com. As it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Might not be the Super Bowl this week, but it is a big week with regards to a lot of these teams. So we've got you covered all throughout the day. I'm glad to be warming things up with regards to it. And then all throughout the day, Point Spread Sunday is going to be coming your way with Femi Obabefe and company. All throughout the day, we've got the Green Zone taking a look at the live betting look at these games, and then once everything goes final, you got the opening line show with John Von Tobel, Matt Humans, and then you got Scott Seidenberg with the look at. He is on the same time slot as this, 1 to 4 a.m. Eastern. So we've got you covered with a little bit of everything here on this day, and we've got you covered with all sports as well, not just the NFL, but how about some college basketball as well? We've already looked at quite a few of these games, but there's a couple that we have yet to hit, so let's take a look at a game that's going to be coming up a little bit earlier on in the day out there in the Metro Atlantic as you've got 829, 830 on the betting board. Ryder is going to be hitting the road face off against Niagara. Niagara is finding themselves at equal between a 7.5 and an 8-point favorite. Total on game ranging between 130.5 and 131.5. It's an interesting tempo style because you've got Niagara as one of the slowest teams out there in college basketball in terms of the 356 D1 teams, this team is clocking in at 330th. They've been playing a little bit faster recently, and for Niagara, they are going to have the best player and, I should say, most versatile player out there on the floor. That would be Marcus Hammond. Hammond has been able to do a good job of being able to stuff the stat sheet for this team. Just under 15 points per game, a guy that's been able to shoot about 38% from three-point range. Hulls in there, four and a half boards, two and a half assists. Seal per game, so he does a great job of being able to provide for the team. Question is, what are you going to be able to get down low? 
Good news is Jordan Sintran, the transfer from the Big South, has been able to give this team five plus boards in four of the last five games. All in all, he's averaging 5.8 rebounds per game. He's able to give you one and a half steals per game as well. But if there is an issue that you've got with this Niagara team, it's that you don't really have a lot of shooting in general when it comes to this team outside of Marcus Hammond for one and for two. This is a team that they just get rolled on the glass. In terms of offensive rebound rate, this is not a team that they're able to prolong things or not able to give themselves second and third chances. They get 7.1 offensive rebounds per game. That's in the bottom 50 in all of college basketball. And then you take a look at Ryder, and you've got two guys that are really able to come to the forefront and be able to provide for this team. That would be Demencio Vaughn along with along Dwight Murray Jr. Both of these guys give you between about 12.5 to 13.5 points per game. Murray Jr. does a good job doling out 4.5 assists per game. Vaughn is a guy that's able to shoot 35% from three-point range. These two guys combined to be able to give you about three steals per game, so they'll be able to do a relatively solid job there. And Argiri Aguamo Johnson has been able to do a good job down low. He's able to give the team 6.5 rebounds per game. So I do think that Ryder is going to be able to win the battle on the glass Question becomes, what are you going to be able to get out of the ancillary pieces of both of these teams? Sam, one like a Sam Oreo for the Niagara team. He's been able to give you right around five rebounds per game, but it's never lived up to what he was able to do back when he was in the Patriot League with American. And then when it comes to Ryder, it's a squad that doesn't necessarily have the world's greatest depth. So you do have your question marks there, but I do think that Alan Boom Boom Powell is going to be able to step up for the team. Guy that's been able to give you right around nine points per game, shooting it at about 35%. Flip from three-point range, you've had a couple disappointments for this team. Someone like Cedric Coleman Jr., I did I did think that him coming over from the West Coast Conference with Pepperdine was going to be able to help out this team. He has just been a big giant nothing burger for this team. When it comes to Ryder as well, this is a team that they do need a little bit of work when it comes to being able to guard the three-point arc. They're allowing opponents to just take all of their shots from there and they allow opponents to shoot 33% from distance. So that's a little bit of an issue there, but I do think that with Ryder, they are going to be able to win the battle on the glass and that'll keep them competitive in this game. I do think that this winds up coming down to late game felling and both of these teams are very good at the free line. Niagara and Ryder both shoot at least 75% at the free line. So I do think that that's going to lead to a lot of points late. I did wind up setting the total at a 135 as a result. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And because I do think that Ryder is going to be able to do a good job on the glass, I wind up setting this line at 7. So here at 7.5 to 8, I'm willing to take the points with Ryder. And I made my total 135. So here around more like a 130.5, 131-ish, I'm going to be taking a look at an over as well. We move on to a game that is going to be another rematch of what we wound up seeing a couple days ago. 8:35, 8:36. Illinois State going to be hitting the road to face off against Evansville. The Purple Aces, well, they came up snake eyes a couple days ago. They are now finding themselves a four and a half point underdog in your Tallahans game, and we're doing 136 and a half and 137 and a half. If the good news is for Evansville, they really can't play a whole heck of a lot worse than what they wound up doing a couple days ago. They lost by a count of 94 to 56. You wound up seeing an Illinois State team that has really done a good job of being able to crank up their tempo as well. We talked about Niagara in the last game playing very, very slow. How about what you've seen out of Illinois State? This is a team that they are just playing with their hair on fire this season. They are in the top 30 with regards to possessions per game right around 26-ish. And then you've got an Evansville team that they have been one of the slowest teams at all of college basketball. Evansville finds himself 339th in the country with regards to possessions per game. And they've been actually slowing down recently as well. So, I mean, that really tells you where the team is at. But when it comes to Evansville, they just got completely bludgeoned in game one. Do I think that they're going to be able to win this game outright in game two? I do not think so. And as a matter of fact, I want to say Illinois State as a five-point favorite. So I'm going to be taking a look at them to be able to cover in this spot. But I think the real question is, 
how much of Evansville's tempo are they going to be able to get in this game? Because you wind up seeing Illinois State, I think that they wound up taking like 56 shots and they wound up scoring those 94 points. I mean, it was just absolutely comical what we wound up seeing out of Evansville on defense. One of the least efficient marks that you're going to find out of 358 D1 teams. They rank 357th with regards to being able to guard the three-point arc. Opponents are shooting 41.4% from three-point range. Illinois State, they've got a guy by the name of Antonio Reeves. He's been able to give this team a little bit over 20 points per game. He's pumping it in right around 41.4% from three-point range. And typically, he's playing against defenses that, oh, I don't know, not suck. So that's been a real issue for Evansville. But take a look at the Purple Aces. I think what's going to be key for them, there are two main players in Shamar Givens and Jaquan Newton. These are the only two guys on the team. They're giving you more than 7.5 points per game. They're averaging 14.1 points per game apiece. They combine to be able to give you 9.9 boards per game. That's significant because outside of these two guys, you got one guy that's giving you more than four rebounds per game in Noah Frederick. This is a team that they really don't have a lot of depth in general. Evan Coolman was someone that I was expecting good things from. He has not been able to deliver whatsoever. Now, the good news for this Evansville team is that because they play so slow, they really don't allow a lot of fast break opportunities. They're a team that they only turn the ball over 11 times per game. So that has actually worked out very well for them. And they're a team that they don't allow a, sec a lot of second chances. Typically, that's because teams wind up putting in the first time around. So you're able to make a, out of that what you will. But this is also a team that they rank in the bottom 10 with regards to offensive rebounds themselves. So you've got a lot of one and done possessions. And this is an Illinois State team that they are by no means superb on defense. But at the same time, they've been able to do a little bit of a better job recently, ever since they wound up having that big, giant 20-point comeback against Bradley, which that speaks to you how volatile Bradley is able to be. But ever since then, they've been able to do a little bit of a better job on defense. They themselves do rank 311th in the country with regards to opponents' three-point shooting percentage, so that is a little bit of an issue. But Illinois State should be able to win the battle on the glass. Cy Chapman, the UMass transfer, has been able to get the same 14 points. He's been able to haul in there right around six-ish rebounds per game, so that has been solved for this team. You've now got Mark Freeman back in the fold, a guy that winds up coming in from Tennessee State, has been able to give this team a little bit over 10 points per game, shooting in the mid-30s from three-point range, and just take a look at this Illinois State team. Are they going to be able to hold opponents down at 60 very often? No, that is not going to be their game, but you take a look at what they've done recently, and they've held two out of their last three opponents at 65 points or fewer, obviously. One of those games is the one that we wound up seeing most recently, but these teams that they don't have a lot of offense, like UT San Antonio, for instance. They've been able to do a solid job of being able to play that style. They are able to play fast. They're able to play slow. So I do think that this is a game which Evansville is going to be able to make some adjustments. I think that it's going to be a little bit slower. So I did wind up saying my total at 135. I'm willing to go under with Illinois State. Four and a half. I'm willing to lay it here. Heck, even at my number of five, I would much rather lay five rather than take five. This is an Evansville team that... I really don't want any part of in this spot. So I'm going to take a look at Illinois and I'm going to be taking a look at the under as well. When it comes to the best team out there in the Metro Atlantic, they're finding themselves a pretty hefty favorite on this board as well. We go 843, 844. The fighting Rick Patino, Zion, is going to be hitting the red face off against Quinnipiac. Bobcats, seven half point favorites, or Bobcats, seven half point underdogs, I should say. And your total on this game is 149. And what I find just so intriguing about Iona is that this team doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but Rick Patino, guy knows what he's doing, ladies and gentlemen. He has got this team fighting once again. They did wind up getting a very good win earlier in the year against Alabama. Now, we have seen Alabama really be volatile, to say the least, this year. They very nearly wound up losing to Missouri yesterday, but 
with Iona. You've got to love the top end talent of this team. Tyson Jelly has been very merrily shooting 39.5% from three, 14.5 points per game. Nelly Jr. Joseph gives you just under two blocks per game, 13.5 points, 8.5 boards per game. And then you've got Quince Lezinski, along with Dylan Van Eyck, a pair of guys that are north of six foot eight, able to pop threes for this team. So I do think that Iona has all the goods to be able to cover this game. We're going to give you guys a little bit more depth on this game on the other side, and then we'll wrap things up with what I like out there in the NFL, along with my New York Post pick for college basketball on Sunday. So big finish of the Greg Peterson experience is going to be coming up next right here on VSIN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to make this your best betting year ever. It is our all new Big Game Big Dan special, and it provides VSIN plus all access to everything that we do now through April 5th. It's all for just $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game, and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split data for every single game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of the best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today as it is the final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on the Sports Betting Network. We're going to be going through what I want to mention a little bit earlier in the hour. What I like in the NFL, we're going to be doing that in the back half. Put a little bit of a bow on that. Going to be hitting my New York Post play in a minute when it comes to college basketball, but going to be polishing up my thoughts on another game that's going to be coming up in college basketball for this Sunday. We're on 843-844, Iona versus Quinnipiac. And mentioned it a little bit earlier that I do like Iona in this spot. I wound up setting Iona as a 10-point favorite. Typically, I don't wind up putting road favorites as this much of one. But with that said, Iona has just really shown that they are a trustworthy team. They are a team that they don't necessarily do one thing great, but they just do a whole lot of things solid. They've got talent just all throughout this roster. Even a guy like a Barrick Jean Louis, who only gives you right around five points, four boards per game. He's able to be a just complete difference maker for the team. And what has been really good for Iona, they push teams off the three-point line. They are allowing opponents to shoot just 29% from three. That is one of the top 25 marks in all of college basketball. And then you take a look at Quinnipiac. 
It's a team that they really do rely upon. A little bit of outside shooting to be able to get things flowing with them. They only rank right around 200th in the country with that regard, shooting 33% from the outside. This has not been the same team without Xavion Lewis, main facilitator for the team that was giving the team 9.5 points right around four assists per game. So that has really been a big bugaboo for the team. Now Matt Blanic has come back from injury and he's looked solid. 15 points per game, shoots 40% per three. And Kevin Marfo led all of college basketball in two seasons ago in his first stint with Quinnipiac, transferred to Texas A&M last season. Now he's back in the fold end. He's really been the team's top guy with regards to dishing out the ball. He gives you four assists, 10 points. He's able to bump in there 10 and a half rebounds per game. So that's been solid, but even with Quinnipiac being able to shoot 76% of the free throw line, not going to do a lot of good because they're not going to get to the free throw line a lot against an Iona team that is very well disciplined. This is a Quinnipiac team that they don't do a good job of being able to block shots. Either 332nd in the nation with that regard. So the interior defense, not necessarily there with this team. And when it comes to Quinnipiac, they themselves allow opponents to be able to bury them from the three-point arc. They are allowing opponents to shoot right around 33.5% for three. That is 207th in the country. So you've got a lot of issues there. Tamino Chaniri along with Tyrese Williams. These guys have been relatively solid, chipping in their 16.5 points per game. Williams, he's able to shoot 38% from three, but I think that Iona is just going to be able to bludgeon this team by being able to exploit things that they're going to be seeing in-game. This is a Iona team in which if they play 20 different games, it seems like they're going to win 20 different ways, which is what I absolutely love about this team. They're very hard to be able to match up with in general, which is why I do wind up having them as a 10-point favorite in this spot. And when it comes to total, Iona has actually been pumping up their tempo a little bit. This is a team that, in terms of sheer possessions, they rank 45th in the country. With that said, this is a Quinnipiac team that they've been going a little bit slower this year. They were really trying to gun it last season. More around 150th this year. So right around college basketball average. Do wind up setting my total at 146. So I'm looking at the under and I'm looking to lay it here with Iona. When it comes to New York post pick, we are going to be going out to the Big Ten with this one. You've got Michigan versus Indiana. This is 853-854. Got Indiana finding themselves a four-point favorite in your total on this game. Every between 133 and a half and 134 and a half. This is not a game which I have a massive differential on. I want to say Michigan as a three-point underdog, and I'm going to ride it here in the New York Post. With Michigan, I do think that they're going to be able to hold up down low. You've got yourself a guy in Hunter Dickinson who I think is going to be a matchup very well. Trace Jackson Davis. Hunter Dickinson was out a little bit due to COVID-19 concerns. He's come back and been able to get the team 16.5 points, 8.5 boards, and he's added a little bit of a three-point jumper to his repertoire, something that Trace Jackson Davis does not have. Now, with Trace Jackson Davis on the flip side for Indiana, this is still in my opinion, at minimum, a top 15 player in all of college basketball, if not a top 10 player, has been able to give this team eight and a half boards, right around 18 points per game and three block shots. But when it comes to Indiana, the big issue that I've got with the team is taking care of the ball. This is a team that they rank right around 225th in the country with regards to turnovers on a per possession basis. Xavier Johnson say will give you 10 points, three and a half boards, four assists per game, but is sometimes a little bit careless with it. Parker Seward shoots the ball from three at 45.5%, but he only gives the team 7.5 points per game. He's a little bit skittish to shoot from distance. This is also an Indiana team that they do a solid job on defense. When it comes to opponents' field goal shooting percentage, they are number three in the country, but I think a lot of that has to do with the competition that they've been playing in general as well. You do take a look at this Indiana team, and what has been a little bit of an issue with them as well has been forcing turnovers as they get right around 5.8 steals per game, and when it comes to backcourt, you don't know what you're going to be able to get out of these guys night in and night out. Rob Fennessy wound up having 20 points in the team's previous game. The prior, like, three games, he had had a total of 10 points in those games, so it's been a case in which you've got very hot and cold play with them. Ray Thompson has been nice down low, 10 and a half points. He's able to chip in there, 
just over seven and a half rebounds per game. So that has been very good for the team. When you take a look at Michigan as well, I do think that Eli Brooks, the guy that's able to give you 12 and a half points, shoots in the mid thirties from three point range is going to be a key cog for the team. This is an Indiana team that as well, they don't have a lot of good free throw shooters among their top four scorers. Nobody shoots above 72.5% the charity stripe. Now, that's a little bit of an issue with Michigan. Michigan, they shoot as a collective about 68% of the free throw line, so that needs to be noted on both sides. But I do think that Caleb Houston, star freshman for Michigan, who really didn't wind up having a good run of things to begin the season, is going to be able to rein things in. He was a top 10 consensus guy with regards to all the rankings, a six foot eight gentleman that is able to shoot three. So he has really struggled with his three point shot this season. He's only been able to shoot right around 32% from distance. And it has been a little bit of a fall off on the road for him, but I do think that he's going to be able to turn over a little bit of a new leaf. We've been seeing him recently doing a much better job as opposed to what he wound up doing at the beginning part of the season. First couple games, he was just a complete and utter afterthought for this team. You take a look at him recently and he has been able to dial things in. We're going to go ever since the, game against San Diego State, which I still feel like might have been Michigan's best performance of the year. That was on the 4th of December. As for since then, Houston has been able to average more around 10.5 points per game, shooting 35% from three. He's been able to haul in there nearly 4.5 rebounds per game, so he's been able to dial in his game a little bit more. And for Michigan, I do think that they're going to increase the defensive intensity with this team. Michigan was a little bit better on offense last year as well, but I do think that having Devontae Jones come in from the Sun Belt of Coastal Carolina He's been needing a little bit of time to be able to find it, but he's been able to do a much better job recently. In the team's last six games, he's been averaging a little bit over 10 points, shooting over 40% from three-point range all in all for the season. This is someone that has been able to do a good job of being able to dish out the ball. He's giving you right in the neighborhood about 3.7 assists, a 1.8 turnovers a game. And Michigan is a team that they do a good job of being able to retain the ball, unlike Indiana. So I think that that's going to be a big part of this as well now. Michigan, much like Indiana, they don't force a lot of seals as well, but I do think that the interior defense of Michigan is going to be improved in this game. I like Michigan getting the points in this spot. That's what I wound up writing up for the New York Post, and I do think that things are going to be tight late. I do think that you're going to have perhaps some late game falling. I do think that Michigan is going to be able to put in there a couple threes as well with guys like Eli Brooks shooting it well from distance. Even a guy like Terrence Williams, he's got a little bit of stretch ability as well. He shoots 34 and a half percent from three point range. So also made my total 137 looking at an over and I'm going to be taking a look at the points here with Michigan, which is what I wound up giving out for the New York post. And when it comes to the NFL, we're going to be taking a look at a pair of favorites and we're going to be taking a look at a pair of underdogs on this Sunday. Going to be riding with the Buccaneers, laying two and a half points with the under, and the Chiefs laying a point and a half with the under in this spot as well. When it comes to all four of these defenses, they are legitimately some of the best out there in the NFL. I think that when it comes to this Rams versus Buccaneers game, the reason why you've got to be going with the the Buccaneers is for what they are not going to do. Turn the ball over. With Matt Stafford, I just don't have any faith in him whatsoever. Last four games of the regular season, he wound up having eight interceptions. Rams looked absolutely terrific in that game against the Arizona Cardinals, but you take a look at the full body of work that they've done in recent weeks. Hasn't necessarily been terrific. Do have a Rams team that they do a good job of being able to get to the quarterback end. That should affect Tom Brady a little bit. Tom Brady, just not the same quarterback when he is being pressured, but having Leonard Fournette back in the fold as well, that should be able to take some of the pressure off of him. And Tom Brady, he doesn't necessarily need the world's greatest weapons. He's able to make these guys very good weapons. He still has a very good complement of tight ends. I think that he's going to be able to find these guys, and that is going to allow the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to be able to prevail. Going to be taking a look at the under with that as well. And when it comes to Bills versus Chiefs, 
I think that the first time around, the Bills were able to catch the Chiefs while they were sort of in transition with regards to their defense. Ever since that game, the Chiefs have been one of the best defenses out there in the NFL. Not a team that necessarily gets a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but they do a good job of being able to generate some turnovers. I think that Tyron Matthew is going to do a good job just all over the field for the Chiefs. And with the Chiefs, you've got Clyde Edwards a layer back in the fold as well. So that should help Patrick Mahomes be able to run the ball. I think that there's going to be a lot of short underneath stuff from the Chiefs against a Bills team that they do a good job of being able to get some interceptions. But with the way that the Chiefs have been able to sort of reinvent their offense, be able to get short chunk plays, I think that that is going to allow the Chiefs to be able to get revenge on the Bills from what wound up happening earlier in the season. And when it comes to VSIN, we've got you covered all throughout the day. Everything that you need with regards to NFL in-game betting, pre-game, post-game, what have you, we've got you covered right here on the Sports Betting Network as this has been the Greg Peterson Experience. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.